0: Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar.
1: Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Today, I'm interviewing Lucy Babazi. She is the country manager of Visa, and I am so excited to speak with her. And we are coming to you live from the International Women's Forum, the World Leadership Conference in Chicago. And Lucy was one of the esteemed speakers on a panel, and now I get to speak with her, and you guys get to listen. So, welcome, Lucy. Thank you. Thank you for having
0: me. It's I like podcast. It's exciting to, to be
1: in a room and, you know, just speak to many people without being there. Yes, absolutely. Especially without having them right in front of you, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how your career has evolved to get to where it's at today. Give us a little snapshot of sure. kind of your career. Sure. Well, I, I studied information
0: technology and management and when I I graduated is when the tech bubble burst, and uh, it was difficult to find employment at that time. But I was able to find different jobs through agencies, etc. But I'm from Rwanda, and I wanted to always work in international development. So I was working at a company, RLJ, and I'm happy in the job or I, I was working as an executive assistant. And so one of the, the CFOs in in, in RLJ uh, was looking for an assistant. I mean she had been looking for one and I and I thought, you know, let me go and talk to her and see if I could be her assistant because I really hate this side of, of the world. And so she she told me to t- to share my story with her, and I did. And she said, "You can't be my secretary. You have so much potential. I should connect you to my friends in the World Bank, etc." And so at that time, I had not been to Rwanda in nine years. I had left vowing to never go back. And so she, I went back for a cousin's wedding. And when I came back, I thought, I have to go back to Rwanda. I cannot not be there uh, and be part of the journey to transform the country. So when I came back, she said, I don't want you to go work at the World Bank. I want you to go to grad school. I think it's important for you to study public policy. I didn't know what it was. I I just started looking, and she said, you should go to Princeton. I thought, the Ivy League has never, ever been in the realm of my possibilities. And um, needless to say, I went through a training program, did my juries, uh, went to Harvard Kennedy School of Government and immediately went back to Rwanda to be part of, of the journey. So when I met Leslie and she turned me down for a job, but inspired me to see my potential and go after what I re- truly wanted to do, it changed my life and being home. Is, makes it even more special because uh, we are coming from a, a tough history, but being part of the transformation where Rwanda can be a country that we're proud of and most importantly that our kids will find a country that is functional and uh, prosperous is,
1: um, you know, is...
0: Beyond my wildest dreams.
1: (laughs) Well, that's an amazing story, actually, about how you know the realm of possibilities. You didn't maybe see them, but someone else saw them in you, and I think that's such an important thing for anyone that is a young person that just hasn't quite seen themselves in the way that maybe they should. How have you uh, taken that experience and tried to and maybe inspire others to do what they're supposed to do? There's nothing that excites me more than paying that gift that Leslie
0: Hale gave me to other women. I mean, I mentor girls. I'm the president of Girls in ICT uh, in Rwanda. We came together to promote science and technology, uh, engineering and math among girls because there are still very few women uh, in this sector of technology, certainly in Rwanda. And I sit on a few boards where I'm the only woman. I go to many meetings and I'm the only woman. I I've become so cautious that I count how many women are actually part of this conversation. And in most instances, I'm one or one of two.
1: And we want to
0: change that narrative for the country. So we came together to share our experience with girls, especially in the rural areas, and just show them what's possible and hopefully they can go on and even, you know, I'm sure I always tell them, you don't want to grow up to be like me. You want to grow up to be the best that you can be. And I'm sure you can do even more, more great things than, than I have. So what Leslie, Leslie gave me, I'm giving to so many more by paying it forward and, you know, powering them, getting them to believe in themselves and going for whatever it is that they want to do and supporting them along the way. I mean, I have my cousin who is, uh, aeronautical engineer. She's studying in in Florida, and as I was helping her write her application and do her essays, I was thinking, this is exactly what Leslie did for me, and 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 it's it's
1: such an honor to do it for others. That's wonderful. I mean, it, it, seeing the potential in someone else, sometimes our, our obstacles are within ourselves. We don't even know that they're an oh, obstacle, yeah. but if I can't see it, yes. I can't do it. Yes. And if I don't see myself going to Princeton or Harvard or something like that, well, I'm not going to be going there. Yeah. So that's, that's wonderful that not only did that happen to you, but that you're paying it forward. And I, and I think that a lot of our listeners do sort of those same things. Uh, and I think that it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Now, wh- one of the things that... That, that I've heard recently, and I think that part of our conversation, we've I've already heard some of this, but people don't really talk about diversity as much today as they're starting to say, well, that's not the best word, diversity. A better word is inclusion, because diversity makes us think, well, it must be somebody else's issue. It's not mine because I'm not in that group. And in order to get everyone feeling like this is an issue, women's leadership, women of color, um, even more difficult, how do we move those issues forward? So I like the word inclusion as opposed to diversity. So, for instance, I've spoken at a conference where um, it was a diversity panel and the men in the room got up and left. They thought, well, this isn't for me but it has to be about them. So how do you think we can incorporate more of the current leaders, maybe white males, to participate in helping women rise? It's, it's fundamental
0: to everything that we do. And what I always, um, I always encounter men who will look down on me and, and, and Call me young and inexperienced. And in my job, I mean, obviously, I'm new to the financial sector, but I'm passionate and I'm passionate to drive results for people. But I'm always encountering people that are telling me your passion is bringing negative energy or, you know, uh, whatever it is. And if a man is aware that inclusion is necessary and diversity is critical to everything that we do, especially for their kids, because they also have kids, they have daughters, they have nieces, they have granddaughters. And if they don't get involved now in acknowledging fundamentally that there's a problem and then being part of changing it, it's not going to change. And so many times, uh, I mean, in, in Rwanda, people don't, we don't really speak up. It's, it's not part of our, especially in women. It's not really part of our culture. We have a president who's made it his mission to make sure that women are included from the beginning. And, we need that in the corporate world, and we need men to sit. and before, I was, I'm reading Lenin, and I was thinking, yes, this is validating everything that I do every so time <laughs> there. And I um, demand. Uh, I mean, I even took time to look at the program, and I was counting how many Africans are there, and how many black women are there, and how many are in the leadership, how many are in the fellowship. And I'm thinking, but there's barely any. And I started counting, and We must acknowledge there's a problem. We must, uh, people get uncomfortable when you talk about it because they think you're putting them on the spot. But I think if they begin to look at it from a perspective of, wait, my kids need to be in a world where there's inclusion. And I think our our millennials are, are, already thinking that. uh, um, And I think for America, especially during this whole election uh, run, just seeing how divided things have gotten and how tense things are. I mean, I'm in Chicago and I'm I'm scared. Uh, Yesterday, Terry told me, uh, don't go out by yourself. And I've been reading all these stories and thinking, wait, in Rwanda, I don't have that because inclusion is fundamentally important. Our genocide happened because people were excluded uh, for decades. And our parents and our liberators fought to bring us back to the country. And they are working to make sure that it's included,
1: uh, that, that we are
0: all included. And what they know is mostly from their background. And so as the young people bring in a different perspective and bring these conversations that are not usually talked about. And now with technology, we're able to put them out for everyone to have a conversation and contribute. So the only way to, to, to deal with it is to make people as uncomfortable as possible until they see it go away. I mean, when it goes away, then we won't need to talk about it. Right. Yeah. Um, Uh, but men must be part of it, and unfortunately, uh, at least from where I, I, I live and where I work, in terms of the industry, it's very much a man's world. And until they deliberately make decisions to make it inclusive for women, to make it inclusive for women, people of, uh, I don't, I hate saying people of color, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it can't be racist because you know we are just a human race. Um, just to include everyone in the society to be part of whatever it is you're doing is the only yeah. way that you'll be able to enjoy the results and reduce inequality that breeds all these tensions within society and for Rwanda, that's, you know, important. And we want to see the same. I want to see the same in the rest of the continent, and the yeah. rest of the world. Yeah.
1: So talk about what you're doing at Visa and what Visa is doing, you know, the, the mission behind your work.
0: The mission is inclusion, <laughs> right? Um, if you, if you look at uh, the traditional, uh, way of of banking and it's traditional here and it's tradition at home as well but even how people access their money it's really it doesn't include everyone it's expensive to get a to have an account uh, at least in uh, in Rwanda and other countries you have to pay a fee every month to have an account which most people can't afford and so how do we innovate in such a way that everyone, everywhere can be able to, to have the financial tools and services that they need to grow. And that is what Visa is doing, has been doing in Africa for over three decades. I mean, been, we were the first in the world to do these payments and certainly the first in Africa to get there and do things. And we learned, uh, uh, we went in with the traditional card point of sale Etc. But we realize that this is expensive. Electricity is a luxury for most people, uh, and so. But mobile phones are there, uh, and not smartphones, but you know the basic phone. I've not seen anyone with a basic phone here. Um the <laughs> like flip phone or something. <laughs> Even. Not even the flip, the flip <laughs> is above what we have, what <laughs> many people have. Uh, we just have that that you punch it, the little Nokia that, that we have, and many companies have innovated around that. But now we're also having smartphones that are costing you know little money, and that's because the demand is growing. So Visa has developed our has innovated around anything that someone has. If it's that basic phone, Mm. we must make sure that they're included. And that's something that Africa has taught us. That's something that we learned in in, in Rwanda where we piloted this M-Visa. And and going around the country and seeing places where there is no single financial service. People are only doing in cash. They have to travel over five kilometers to to see a bank if they are lucky. Uh, But now with technology, we have the mobile phone becoming the bank and uh, the shop around the corner becoming your bank where you can go deposit money, withdraw money. uh, But most importantly, you can go and make payments anywhere. And that is permission, inclusion. And we are just doing it through payments by making it easy for everyone uh, everywhere to pay. But I think the beauty of it is that we know anyone that has a Visa account, whether it is on mobile or it's a plastic, has a bank account, and they can access financial services to help them grow.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, the, the, the growth that has happened. So for the past 20 years, Visa's been there. But what's next? Is it just a continuation of that mission or are there some new innovations on the, on the horizon? I mean, everything we innovate around is
0: about making life easy for, yeah. for everyone. Um, and we've predominantly done it for the top of a pyramid. And what what we've learned in Rwanda, and what we developed for uh, not just Rwanda but all emerging markets in Africa, Asia, and Latin America, is to constantly innovate around getting everyone included. Because when it's a win-win. When everyone is included in a transacting, visa is winning. When everyone is banked, the economies are winning because when everything is, I'll give you an example. Uh, I was reading some statistics of one of the countries where people withdrew about $211 million in cash uh, in one year and only $7 million was transacted digitally. That is money that could be sitting in the treasury. I mean, Someone was talking about into the economic, uh, uh, economic speak. But to fund development, governments rely on money in the bank. And if there is no money in the bank, we have to go out and get development aid or loans from the World Bank. I know for a fact if. Any country had $211 million, any developing country had $211 million in the bank versus out in cash, we wouldn't need aid. There would be no, you know, developing and developed. We would all be able to develop as quickly as possible. Digitization and inclusion are very much a part of that. So for us at Visa, we want to digitize all that cash, or at least the majority of that cash, because it means someone has a bank account and has access to financial services. The government has a treasury that is funded and is able to, you know, fund their development and win off of aid, which is something that It's part of the reason I went back home. I want us to get to a place where we don't need handouts, uh, but we're bringing, we're building partnerships that are helping us to win off of aid and become independent, whereby uh, our kids will not be paying off all this debt that we are incurring because we're taking money out of the bank. So. The mission: keep money in the banks. Mission: get everyone included, Uh, and then we'll begin to really see the development that we that has. I mean, we've lacked so we've lagged behind as a continent because of bad decisions because of bad leadership because of not knowing any better but now that we know better how do we take advantage of these real resources that we have to to develop our countries in such a way that our, we can enjoy that development and our kids can and future generations can can lead a more prosperous life without waiting for some ngo to come and and build a school bring water or uh, bring financial services, etc. We can do it ourselves and, ourselves and we have the resources to do it. We just need to mobilize those resources and put them to
1: work. So in your lifetime, if you were to look back at your lifetime, where do you think women in Rwanda will be? <laughs> and what do you wish for them?
0: I'm a child of a refugee. Uh, my mom, my parents, my grandparents left Rwanda in 1959 because they couldn't stay there because they were too sick. And uh, in 1994, watched as many of our family members just were killed and we couldn't do anything about it. Um, and in a society where women were barely included and our people were barely included, and to now live in a country where inclusion is a deliberate policy. And we now need to take it from policy to reality. And I think our government is doing that. We need the private sector to catch up to that. And my voice, I think one of the things that I I enjoy most is advocacy for inclusion. And it will be a great day when I sit on a board that has half men, half women, or has all women, or, you know, I mean, depending on what it is, uh, I have no doubt that if we continue doing what we're doing in Rwanda, inclusion won't be even something that is a challenge. Um, And I think that we can continue to lead by example and make sure that our daughters and their daughters and their daughters' daughters never have to have this conversation about inclusion and diversity and, you know, you know, just want to sit at the table and and I would want women to know that you sit at the table because you belong there, not in spite of whatever challenges. So mm-hmm. I think our generation um, has a unique mission to to remove these challenges uh, and transform the way we do things and transform minds, which are the biggest battle that we fight is minds and make it easy for everyone uh, to to live life. This is just about everyone living life as they dream it, as they envision it. And uh, we shouldn't have to fight for anything. Mm. It is our right to have it. And if you're in a position of leadership and have been given a voice, uh, uh, there's no other way to live, you know, and have satisfaction. If I look back, I just, I want to see a place where no one is fighting for what they're supposed to have. Um, yeah. and, and I hope that it is something that we can do, or uh, start, I and mean, instill in our kids to do so that we have a more included world. I mean, the, there are enough problems as they are in the world, we don't have to make them worse. We can uh, make them better and I think women are at the heart of that as mothers uh, of a nation, as mothers in a community, as the mothers of future leaders, we must do our part in instilling and breathing confidence into our kids and uh, ensuring that they just live and not fight.
1: Yes. Well, thank you so much for uh, being a part of this interview today. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with our listeners. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me and uh, I look forward to future interactions. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar.